I'm going to begin a new series today, and I would like to turn to the book of Ezekiel, chapter number one, if you would, and we're going to begin at verse number one. Now it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives, I want you to read that, as I was among the captives. You, did you get that? As I was among the captives. He was a captive. By the river Chebor, that the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, which is in the fifth year of King Jehoiachin's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, and the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chebor, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. Say it. The hand of the Lord was upon him there. Father, I pray that you will speak to us in this series and in this message today. and Give us a word that will transform our lives and help us to forever be empowered by this word in a way that compels us through whatever we might be walking through at the moment and keeps our focus on you and building the kingdom and building our own lives to reflect your glory. And everybody shouted and said, Amen. I want to welcome all of our first time attendees. And just before I dive into the word of God, and I'll make my, my sermon to be a little shorter today because we've had guests. But I just want to say this. This is extremely important. I don't like for people to just come and leave without feeling that anybody even knew they were there. One of the most impotent feelings in the world is to live your life like a finger stuck in a bucket of water. And you pull it out and it doesn't even leave a hole after you remove your finger from the bucket of water to show where you've been. Who wants to live a life like that? Who wants to go to a place like that, visit a church like that? We want you to know that you matter to us. And so what I like to do is at the end of every service, right over where I'm pointing, there's a conference room. And I like to invite all of our first time attendees to please come and join us right over there, right after the altar service today. And I would like to speak with you, just get to know you for about three to five minutes so that you don't feel like a stranger and disconnected with what is going on. And we are so glad you're here, but we want you to know that you matter to us. And uh, so I'd love to meet you after the service is over. I'm going to get into the Word of God now, and I want to begin a series today that I'm going to entitle, Overcoming the Ancient Giants of This Modern Age. The Ancient Giants of This Modern Age. We face giants that have been around a very long time. And we may think they're modern, we may think they're new, we may think it's a new strategy, a new tactic that the enemy is employing against us and against the kingdom of God and against the world, but it's not. You're going to discover in this series that the things that we deal with, everything you currently see out there in the news, for example, that's going on, actually has been around a very, very long time goes all the way back even into the Old Testament era. And so these modern giants that we face, 
are actually ancient spiritual giants. And I want to take a look today at this and begin with this story. And I want to talk to you about our responsibility to impact and change culture rather than be changed by the culture in which we live. My message today is simply entitled, In It But Not Affected By It. I want you to say that. I'm in it, but I'm not going to be affected by it. Father, again, I pray for your anointing because I feel this is so important in the name of Jesus. Last week, Dr. Tour was with us and he really helped us when he spoke about the origins of human life. One of the most educated and greatest scientific minds that is alive in the world right now, but an avid and firm believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. He explained to us, and it might have been technical language, it could have been over the heads of some people, that's, that's fine, because his credentials were so impeccable that they carried us through to the conclusion that he was able to make scientifically. And that is, we have a creator. The world has not been around long enough that even if evolution did occur the way that we were taught it through Darwinianism, that it would have, it would, the world has not been around nearly long enough for that to take place. Let me, let me say it like that. The world would have had to have been here many, many times longer than it actually has existed. We think that evolution is actually a new strategy. And maybe in terms of its expression, it is. But what has been around a long time is the idea that there is no God. We don't need God anymore. And you might not realize it, but Dr. Tour last week was actually helping us address one of these ancient giants of this modern age that had just put on a different, as it were, uniform, a different set of armor, was wearing a different mask. You see, way, way back years ago, after man had sinned and the flood had come and destroyed the world that existed because it was so evil, there then rose up afterward a man by the name of Nimrod. The Bible says that Nimrod was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Ancient Hebrew writings explain that. They say that he hunted souls in opposition to God. In Genesis 10, verse 8 through 9, it says, Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. And then in Genesis 11 and 4, this is what he led them to do. They said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Now, they had just come out of a flood. And rather than acknowledge that because of their refusal to live within the principles of the word of God that would lead them to a successful and productive life on earth, they, their refusal made them search for an alternate path. They said, what we'll do is we'll build a tower. We don't need God anymore. God can be expelled from society. And what is fascinating is they now have found the archaeological ruins of the Tower of Babel in what is now Iraq, which is where the capital Babylon used to be. Amen. This to me is absolutely fascinating. The Tower of Babel was built above the level of the floodwaters, and at the top it had a temple. What they were basically saying to God was, we don't need you in society anymore. If that is not a picture of what we're dealing with right now, I don't know what it is. Because basically society is saying, we don't need God any longer. You see, 
We have this idea that idols were simply carvings. What's all the fuss, right? When it comes to idols, they're just, they're just molten images. They're just carved out of wood and stone. They don't really represent anything, right? Well, not exactly. It's true the idol has no life. Christians today even think the false gods of the Egyptians, the Canaanites, the gods of the other idolatrous nations were all imaginary. We snicker even at those who believed in them because of their poor understanding of science and limited education. We think they lacked sophistication. I mean, after all, imaginary gods? Who? <laughs> really? I mean, carved by craftsmen? Who would worship something like that? They couldn't have been real, could they? And actually, the idols were indeed man-made and were therefore false. But they represented very real demonic spirits that were in existence. And those demonic spirits have not gone anywhere. Look at Leviticus 17, verse 7. God told Israel not to worship these gods because he said, You shall no more offer their sacrifices to demons. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute, God. What did you just call them? These idols? Demons? In Deuteronomy 32, 17 through 18, they sacrificed to demons, not to God. To gods they did not know, to new gods, new arrivals that your fathers did not fear. Of the rock who begot you, you are unmindful and have forgotten the God who fathered you. God called those spirits behind the idols demonic spirits. In 2 Chronicles eleven fifteen. Then it says he appointed for himself priests for the high places for the demons and the calf idols which he had made. This is one of the kings of Israel. In Psalms 106, 36 to 38, they served their idols which became a snare to them. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to what? Demons and shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. God said behind these idols there were actually demonic spirits. These demonic spirits still exist today. And you cannot understand what spiritual warfare is in the times in which we live unless you understand the nature of demonic spirits that are prevalent in our society. The Bible says that they are fallen angels who left their first estate or dwelling place and were cast to earth out of heaven that had been their home. They rebelled against God, led by Lucifer, who was the archangel in charge of worship, which is why the enemy tries so hard to keep you from worshiping God, because he knows you were created to be a worshiper, just like he was. But he decided, I want the worship rather than me giving it. I want to receive it and take it rather than giving it to God. When he deceived these spirits, they were cast out. They have become disembodied spirits who live in an earthly dimension after once having dwelt in a spiritual realm. In the realm they came from, they had physical presence. You could see them. They live in an alternate dimension where now they are disembodied. You cannot see them. They are there nonetheless. Just like God is a spirit. And in that dimension you see him on the throne. He is present in this building but you cannot see him here. And it is the same way with spirits. They were banished to earth. 
these fallen spirits and they hate anything that is related to God or that God cares about. And there's nothing God cares about more than he cares about you. Oh, somebody in the building ought to shout and say amen. When Israel forsook Jehovah God and went after the gods of the lands, the scripture tells us they were worshiping these demonic spirits, not just idols that were fashionable, not what was just in vogue, not just what was attractive to their culture. They failed to understand that those things represented actual spirits. And when they worshiped idols and sacrificed their children to them as part of their worship practice, they weren't just, as I said, worshiping this carving. As the church, we are called to resist darkness. This is so critical. And we are supposed to change the world in which we live, not let the world in which we live change us. The word of God is forever settled in the heavens. That doesn't mean that times don't change. It doesn't mean styles of dress and fashion and culture and all of that don't change. They do. But there's something that should never change, and that is the word of Almighty God. It is forever settled in the heavens. Matthew 5, 13 tells us, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Salt was not just a seasoning, it was a preservative. And what God was saying is, I'm putting you, the church, in the earth to preserve the earth or otherwise it will be spoiled. With refrigerators, we don't know a lot about using salt as a preservative anymore. But in the old days, before modern technology made possible some of the things we have, like walk-in freezers, and you could ship beef from Argentina to America, and you could ship produce from the Midwest to China, and all this other stuff, without the modern technology, they full well understood the importance and significance of salt. You might not realize it, but the ancient Roman soldier was paid his wage in salt. And the word salary is actually from the Roman word salt, the Latin word salt. It was extremely important and significant. It kept their food from spoiling. And nowadays you go to the grocery store, you can get anything at any season, but in the old days, not so. The church is called to preserve the earth or otherwise it will spoil. And that is an agricultural term. It means to go bad, it means to rot. It means to decay. Being raised on a farm, I understand that so very, very well because they would gather in the produce and would put the tomatoes and the potatoes and all of that on the back porch. And, and after a while, they would begin to literally spoil. And this is why God said that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Do you know what the word perish come means? It means to spoil. The same word agriculturally, it means to lose its value. And without the gospel, we spoil our lives, deteriorate. Without God in our lives, our future is worse than our present, not better. I wish I could hear an amen. Somebody give God a praise break right now. Somebody give God some worship. But when you have Christ in your life, tomorrow is better than today. And today is better than yesterday. And listen to me, God's going to light up your life. Yes, he is. 
regardless of which direction the unbelieving choose to go in, we're called to remain righteous and godly. Titus 2, 11 through 12, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present. Everybody say present. Present age. You see, I came from a denominational background that I've told you before was the SEAL team of religion. Amen. And they wanted you to remain. They didn't want anything to change, including clothing styles, hairstyles, nothing. You had to remain the same as it was a hundred years ago. That's not what God said. God said, live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. Don't live back there a hundred years ago. That's one of the problems with the church. It's so far behind that people feel they can't stay up in a modern world if they are, are a child of God. I want you to know you can. And this church is taking a stand for that. These people not only promoted the idea that we don't need God, we can build a tower above all of this. And that tower today is education and science. It's entertainment. We don't need God anymore. Amen. But they also worshiped other gods. Consider Molech, and I've only got a few minutes. One of the main gods that was worshiped by the Canaanites. He was made of bronze with a cavernous opening in his stomach. And they would take their children and they would put them in his arms. And you see how his arms are, are, are turned palm up like this. What you don't see in this picture is they built a huge bonfire, huge fire inside of this bronze idol until it glowed cherry red. And they would take their children and put it in its hands. And the babies would roll down his arms into this cavernous hole in his stomach. And they would sacrifice their children to this God while they worshiped, blew their horns, laughed, partied, had a good time. And the sound of their, their partying drowned it out, the sound of the dying of the children. This was one of the gods that Israel had begun to worship in the promised land. That was one of the gods. There was something behind him. Can anyone think of something that exists in our culture today which may represent the same demonic spirit being present in our world? Of course you can it's abortion. As of this year, America, by some numbers, has already sacrificed the lives of almost 65 million children in abortion since Roe versus Wade in 1973. 65 million. That's like killing one out of every five people who currently live in the United States because we have 330 million people here now. Worldwide, that number is approaching 1.6 billion babies have been aborted since 1973. Almost 9 million of them have been aborted at Planned Parenthood. Listen to this. Almost 20 million African-American babies have been aborted. The reason we know this, they did not give us the statistic. Two African-American religious organizations asked that these statistics be compiled. There is literally a genocide that is going on right now in our communities. Hear what I'm telling you. Over one out of five abortions in the U.S. is of an Hispanic child. Over 700,000 abortions have already been performed in the United States this year alone. Molech is alive in this nation. You may not realize it, but he is. And we're told that the reason this law should be permitted is because of the number of babies that have been born due to rape or incest. Yet the truth is less than 7,000 of the 700,000 abortions this year were due to children conceived by rape or incest. Yeah. 
It's not because of rape or incest that this, this hideous God is alive in our world. That's the mask that it wears. Out of this one issue of, of abortion, the issues of confusion over gender, marriage, the modern atheistic movement, because you can't kill babies and still believe in God. I wish I could get a better amen. It was in the news a week ago, 79,000 people each year that they know of are trafficked in the state of Texas alone in sex trafficking. I'm talking about women and children. Do you know what the number one city in the United States of America is for sex trafficking? You live in it right now. Houston, Texas, we're sacrificing our families. And if not ours, we're sacrificing others. Out of this issue has, of abortion has also arisen the movement to legalize euthanasia, which is really about the right to kill, and it's advocating the killing of the elderly or the infirm. Really? You're going to kill the elderly just because they got old? Stick around. If you live long enough, you're going to face issues like this. Hello, somebody. This is completely in opposition to the sanctity that God places and the value he has spoken over the life of every person that has come into this world before I formed you in your mother's belly. I knew you and I ordained you. God has a plan for your life. I'm going to be honest. I've got to say this. None of us like controversy, but as believers, we have to stand for the teachings of the word of God in an age of outrage. Have you noticed everybody's in outrage right now? Everybody's angry. Everybody's mad. Every issue, outrage, 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 angry, vociferous, loud, arrogant, in your face, violent. We have to still maintain a godly attitude while praying to the God above. God, tear down these false idols. And whenever you get a chance to vote, vote for people who will stand for the right cause. Amen. This is why I had Dr. Tour here. The Bible has since been removed from our schools. I'm talking about since 1973. Ten Commandments removed from our federal buildings. Babies made in the image of God are determined now to just be no more than just fetal tissue. Do you, do you get that? Fetal tissue until they're born. And then recently, the governor of Virginia, who is himself a pediatrician, proposed a bill that even after birth, a baby could be left on the table and allowed to die if the mother decides they don't want it. They called it post-abortion. Post-birth abortion. What? Post-birth abortion? You gotta be kidding me. And listen, the church has been too silent in America on this. This and other vital concerns. That's why we're in the mess we're in right now. Because as a child of God, you need to stand up for what the Bible teaches and what you believe. I'm not talking about being ugly and mean. I'm not talking about being violent. But you got to vote, don't you? You hear what I'm saying? You know how to pray, don't you? You know how to fast, don't you? We know how to touch God. We know how to worship and move heaven to act on our behalf. Somebody ought to praise him in this house. Hallelujah. And listen to what I'm saying, because I want, I want you to know that we need to do this with compassion. Because I have no doubt there are women in this room right now who have been victimized because they bought into the lie they were told. And you have lived through the trauma of an abortion. And I want to tell you, we're not here to condemn. That's not what the church is about. We're not here to put people down. We're here to lift you up. 
We're not here to score you. You've already been scored. We're here to heal the hurt. We're here to let you know there is a God who accepts all. A God who will love you through it everything. Amen. A few points and then I'm done. In our text, Ezekiel had the encounter with God while he was in captivity in Babylon. What's troubling about this story is that Ezekiel was carried away into captivity even though he was a fully devoted worshiper of Jehovah God. He was a priest prophet. He had not sinned. The nation that he was a part of had fallen into idolatry, worshiping these gods like I showed you a while ago. Molech was one of them. Amen. They had fallen to worshiping these demonic spirits. And because they had sinned and embraced these practices, God lifted his covering of protection from them. He was no longer a wall of fire round about them. And you know what happened? It affected the believers even in the nation. When that covering was lifted, it affected even those who were devote, devout rather, and devoted to God. The Babylonian army came, and without that wall of fire around about Jerusalem, they ran over it like it wasn't even there, burned it to the ground, massacred its inhabitants, and kept only some of the administrative class and the brightest of the children and some of the working poor and uneducated of the nation. The people that were the, of the administrative class, class that they kept alive and the brightest of the children they carried into captivity. The poor they put to work in the field. Everybody else they just killed. And so the prophet priest Ezekiel was one of those, even though he remained true to God, who was carried into captivity. And this is what impacts me. By the rivers of Babylon. By the river of Chibor. And he names the year of captivity. I saw visions of God. I don't care what you're going through. You can have God right in the middle of your circumstance. Do you hear what I'm saying? Hallelujah. It is important to note that as believers, we are affected when the wrong people are in office. When we watch the wrong stuff coming out of Hollywood, the news media, the wrong stuff is being taught. Hello in our schools. Listen to me. When the, our nation goes the wrong way, we are affected by it, which is why we have to be the salt of the earth and change it from the inside out. It's going to get a little quiet before I'm done, but that's okay. Look at your neighbor and say, he knows where he's going. Would you do that? Yes, I do. Amen. We are affected by it. The second thing that I want you to see is that even though he was in captivity and he had witnessed the slaughter of his family and had watched the destruction, devastation of the house of God and the city of God and everything connected to it, he still worshiped God. He didn't let what he was going through rob him of his praise. Because that's what the enemy wants to do. He was in it, but he was not affected by it. He refused to compromise his, compromise his values. He refused to stop worshiping. Am I talking to anybody here that no matter what comes, you're still committed to staying the course. You're going to love God. You're going to worship God. I want to tell you about Inspired Church. We're going to stand for God. We're going to stand for the word of God. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to do it with love. We're going to reach our community. We're going to serve a resurrected Christ. Yes, we are. Somebody give God some praise in this house right now Woo. only a couple of minutes more 
Psalms 137 describes what the others did who were carried away into captivity. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For those of us, for those who carried us away captive, ask us, ask of us a song. And those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. And they said, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? They lost their praise. In a strange land, they lost their hallelujah. In a strange land, they gave up. In the middle of that captivity, they said, we're done. We can't worship God here. I want to propose an alternate solution. There's no better place to praise him than in Babylon. Amen. There's nobody that needs to hear worship more than somebody that doesn't know God. There's nobody that needs an encounter with a believer like an unbeliever. We can't just huddle in our Christian groups. We got to change the world. And if you're walking through Babylon right now and you're sitting by the river of Chibor, you can have a vision of God in a strange land. Don't hang your hearts upon the willows. Amen. I can't help but think of four other young men who were similarly carried away into captivity and forced into slavery by the Babylonian Empire. Those children I told you about, let me name four of them. They were Daniel and the three Hebrew children. Nebuchadnezzar even changed their names to Babylonian names in an effort to cause them to forget who God actually was. Look at the name. Daniel means simply this, God is my judge. Nebuchadnezzar changed his name to Belteshazzar, meaning Baal, or the Babylonian God, protects the king. Hananiah, his name meant God has favored. The king changed his name to Shadrach, meaning command of Aku, the Babylonian God, Aku. Mishael, his name meant who is like God. The king changed his name to Meshach, meaning Aku, the Babylonian moon god. Azariah, his name means God helps, changed his name to Abednego, meaning Nebo, the Babylonian god of wisdom. The enemy wants to rename you. He wants to take away from you your purpose. He wants you to forget your divine destiny. And you got to struggle to hold on to who you are. Don't you let the devil take away the image that God has spoken over your life. You were created in the likeness and in the image of God Almighty. You have a divine purpose. Can somebody in the building shout hallelujah right now? Would you stand with me across the building?